Linda Ockwell Jenner here with another Motivational Steps Conversations. My guest tonight is Mark Francois Ferrazano, Manager of Service Operations at CETA Montreal, Quebec. Hi, Mark. It's lovely to have you on the show. Hi, Linda. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm going to enjoy this. Okay, so we had lovely drinks with uh, a lot of our friends in Montreal last year, so I kind of um, corralled you into into this idea. It's taken a while. Um, so first of all, um, a lot of people, I introduced you as a service operations manager at CETA Montreal. Just for the for the listeners who don't know what CETA is, could we just have a, a quick you know, overview? Of course. So CETA is a company that manages airport infrastructures uh, around the world. Uh, it has many offices worldwide and it has many airports worldwide where uh, teams of people manage the infrastructure for the airports, uh, on the planes, anything that's air travel related. That's interesting, Mark. And um, what I also find is is quite interesting is the fact that you are, um, I'm going to get this wrong, I know I am, a Six Sigma person. <laughs> I've missed the end bit off, haven't I? Uh, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I got certified uh, as a uh, Lean uh, Six Sigma professional um, a couple of years back, I think right before the pandemic, to be honest, because that's when we were still going to the office. Um the um, it was a very interesting program. I, I, you know, being in operations, I really enjoy efficiency and I dislike waste. Um, this methodology really helped me focus on making sure that the efforts that we do are uh, directly related to an impacting results, as opposed to you know guesswork or uh, you know that kind of stuff. That's interesting. So I guess it helps you with your career. Yes, it, it does help with the career. It is a framework like uh, project management, like any other framework that we get. You need a certification for, and uh, for me in particular, um, it does impact my day to day because it does help uh, again manage my situation considerably better. So, what is it you like about this job? Because I find it really interesting when you say, you know, it's part of the airlines. I mean, do you control the airlines in any way, Cetra? I mean, without you guys, can they not, you know, work at all? Is there something you do to say, nope, nobody's flying today? Right. So, um, I don't. Uh, I work for the corporate side of the company. So I manage um, the ability for every employee to do their work. So a salesperson can sell or present or go to a customer and show them things because we make sure that infrastructure exists. Same for billing. We can bill our customers because we create the infrastructure that can support that kind of task. So we take care of all the corporate side of things to make sure the, the business is running and the the teams, employees, management can actually do their work. So I've got to jump on, on the way you speak. You've got such a lovely voice. You've got such a lovely accent. Like, were you born in Montreal? No, no, I'm um, I'm a mutt. Uh, actually, I will call myself that publicly. Um, I was born in Beirut, Lebanon. My mother is of Armenian Lebanese descent, and my father is Italian, Argentinian, and Spanish. Wow, that that is amazing! I'll have to introduce you to, I guess, that on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's an American, but um, lives in Italy now, and um, his grandparents were from Italy. You guys have a lot in common, I think. 
So you're also bilingual and I'm not. I can only just about speak English saying that. Uh, I did put a video on Facebook of me teaching our grandson to say parlez-vous français very badly. <laughs> so um, being bilingual, I'm guessing it really helps your career. It helps you, especially in Quebec. It does. So I, um, again, I'm an immigrant to Quebec. I came with my own language and uh, I knew French and English already as well. Um, so I speak three and a half languages. I can speak Spanish. I just haven't practiced enough since my grandmother died. Um, you know, there's not enough opportunity there for me, but uh, I have some uh, South American friends and whenever I meet them, I, you know, push myself to be able to. I, you know, being bilingual or, or polyglot or, or any type of, of languages, I think, you know, people ask me a lot about languages and, and what I like about languages. I find that, uh, and, and this is just my experience, I find that there are certain feelings or certain words you can only portray in a particular language. And if you don't know that language, when you use words of a language that the other person understands, you might be either watering down or stretching or, you know, kind of messing with the actual meaning of the word that you want to push. So speaking multiple languages and, and speaking to somebody that can speak multiple languages uh, is very interesting because the conversation is a lot more um, pure, I guess the word would be. Wow, that's absolutely lovely. So I'm a letdown then because I just speak very bad English. Sorry. Like I say, we've, we've been to many countries and I think people are very kind to the Brits because we are a bit lazy and we, not many of us speak many languages and so everybody's very kind and speaks English, you know, very good English to us. So I find that very, very nice of them. Um, do you like living in Montreal? I mean, have you been there a long time? So I immigrated and I came to Canada when I was, uh, I turned 16 in Montreal, uh, just a few months after I moved here. Uh, do I like living here? It's a, it's, a, it's a very loaded question for me. It's um, difficult to answer because, you know, I left under the cloud of war. So there was, yeah, so there's there's a um, an attachment that I have to where I came from. Um, and, uh, you know, you got the safety and infrastructure in Montreal and that, you know, you got that bonus. But after being here now for 30-something years, I think <laughs> – I would like to move to a place where maybe it's like Florida because, you know, shoveling is not exciting uh, as, as a sport in any way, shape or form. Uh, the fact that, you know, you're, you're not really cooped up, but it's, it's a little more difficult being here in the winter, uh, you know, for a stretch of four to six months. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, Montreal is nice. There's a lot of good advantages to Montreal. Food is great. People are great. But if I can go somewhere sunnier, I would definitely think about it seriously. Oh, that's so cute. Um, it's interesting you bring up, you know, the reason you came, I guess, with your parents when you were 16, yeah, to because a lot of people ask, ask me, you know, um, you know, why did you move to Canada from England? You didn't have to. You're not a refugee, you know. There's no war over there. And it was a choice for us, so I feel, you know, very blessed. And, um, you know, when I speak to people like yourself who who – I mean, I know you love Canada and everything, but I guess it wasn't your parents' choice because they didn't love their, you know, their country. It was for safety for the family. So I really, really admire that, you know, that. It's uh, it's safety and an opportunity for the future and the children because where you were, the risk was we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or in five years and 10 years. 
you know, even though you can go to school and graduate, what is the economical situation going to be like? I mean, we can see today Lebanon's economic situation is not very well, very good. Um, and therefore, my parents chose to do something a little more uh, risky into itself, but risk averse, um, you know, as a goal, because once you're here, you get established and, you know, you can live a life and you're fine. So my my parents already had come in the 70s um, when I was very young, and they, for some reason, thought that the war was going to be over, and they went back. So uh, we have family. We've always had family here. Um, I have family members, uncles, aunts that worked here, got their degrees here. So it was easy to transition to Canada as well. Lebanon being a French-speaking country, it was also easier to come to Montreal. It was easier to communicate with people. That was very important. Um, you know, Toronto could have been a choice, I guess, but they just came back. They just came here. And uh, finding a job, obviously, as a young immigrant is uh, is a bit difficult. But, you know, we were lucky, um, considerably more lucky than other people. I'm sure some people come with nothing and we had something and, you know, we can do what we needed to do. And we had family here as well. So hats off to the people that come with nothing, to be honest. I don't know how they do that. I really admire that. And I know you have children, so are they bilingual too? <laughs> yes. Um, actually, in school, you have to learn both languages. Uh, you have to do exams at the end of at the end of each year to in, in both languages. Um, if you're in French school, you don't have to do English, or it's very um, it's very watered down. Uh, but if you're in English school, you have to pass your French as well. Um, my kids choose not to if they don't have to. But if somebody speaks to them in French and that's the only way they can communicate, they can they get along quite well. Oh, that sounds lovely. So I guess one of the reasons I wanted you to be on the show is because um, there's a lot of people who listen to these conversations and they may be thinking of emigrating from another country to, to Canada. Um, they may be thinking of looking for work in Montreal. And also, you know, before you told me how boring your job was, I thought you had a glamorous job. <laughs> It's not boring at all. <laughs> My job is not boring by any means. No, of course not. <laughs> um, and I know we have a lot of friends in common through through the, um, you know, sea to where you work. So do you get to travel to the other parts of the world with your role? I do. Um, I have employees in the UK. Um, I had employees in India and in Singapore. So recently we reshuffled. Uh, there is uh, there is a reach uh it's a very global reach. And as I'm part of corporate, I'm not assigned to a particular area. I do have to go places. So it's nice. I mean, a pandemic obviously dampened the situation. And, um, you know, I had surgery as well, so that wasn't good. Uh, but, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but after all this, I've already been to the UK uh, in November. Uh, it was my first trip for business again. And I had the pleasure of watching uh, England rugby lose to South Africa um, in London. It's it was on my bucket list, so that's great. So, so you get that flexibility of yes, you can travel with the, with, you know, with work, and um, you know, depending how you manage your time, you can still do things somewhere else. Uh, but as you know, sometimes you travel to a location and you're kind of bunkered into a, you know, uh, room for three or four days. You get out and then you see sunshine, and then you're back on the plane and you're home. So those are not so much fun, but yeah. Oh, that is, that, is, that is so cool. It really is. What's your favorite place to travel? I don't want to say this, but it's the UK. I have family there. I get to see them. 
uh, and I get to work. Um, I have uh, the bulk of my employees are in the UK, so I get to see them and, and really spend a good time with them. And usually when I go, it's a bit like Santa Claus. I take them out and we go out and we do things together just because I don't see them as often as the people I work with in Montreal. So, you know, it's usually, a, it's, it's, it's a bit less work, more enjoy ourselves. Um, so yeah, everybody's happy when I, when I, when I'm there. Uh, and it's nice to really reconnect with people and, you know, history and family and everything else that comes with the package. It's fantastic. Don't tell me it's somewhere in London or outside London, because everybody thinks everybody lives in London. <laughs> well, um, our office is in uh, Hayes, so we go there. But um, I have family um, that lives in Ascot. And, uh, right, so I, when I go, uh, I usually spend a couple of nights with them. And then, uh, you know, I go to the hotel and uh, for the week of work, and then I leave. Yeah, when I'm there for work, yeah, there's it's very clean lines between family times over and I'm dedicated to work to work, right? So that sounds good to me. So I guess one thing I'm interested in, um, you managed to get through the pandemic and keep on working, and I'm guessing like most people you had to work from home. And there's this thing going on now everywhere in the world, is it about, you know, we don't want to go back to work in the office, we love working from home, and there's so many jobs in the tech industry, we'll leave that job, you know if you don't let us work from home. So did you really like working from home versus in the office? I mean, or? I do like working from home. I find, and you know, for my end, I've proven myself uh, to my management that I've produced better uh, at home. I also have two children that have um, a bit of special needs. So um, they have different schedules for schools. Uh, they, they might have things to, to deal with. So being at home is easier to run and get somebody from school and then put them back at home while you continue working as opposed to having to be in the office and then leave the office in the middle of whatever you're doing and then have to go pick your child up from school and then drive back. So in my situation, maybe it's, um, it's a bit, maybe it's a bit special. Uh, I also appreciate that I have much faster internet at home than we have in the office, right? Uh, I, I have a lot more technology at home that I, that I invested in myself that I can, I can do better work than when I'm in the office. I also like the peace and quiet because I find a lot of times at work, people will come and ask you questions at your desk while you're doing something. And yet for some reason that doesn't seem to matter. So they'll walk up to you and say, Hey, I'm sorry, I'm in a meeting. Oh, sorry, we didn't know, right? So that it keeps that a lot, uh, a lot better for me. But I mean, again, I don't think every job can be done at home, and I don't think every job can be done at work either. I mean, if you're a salesperson, why are you in the office or why are you in your house? You have to go to the customer and sell, right? So you have to be on the road. Um, if you're, uh, you know, somebody in marketing that needs to collaborate with people, maybe you need to be in the same place. But you know, a lot of tech guys that do, you know, infrastructure sort of underground pipe work whether we're here or on the moon yeah but how do you build the relationships if you're primarily working from home and not you in particular you know people in general um you know i'm a people person so i love being out and about meeting people i know a lot of it guys don't but i find or i'm asking you do you find that the um relationships you know can still grow and prosper because if you're always doing the virtual meetings 
I, that's that's a, a great question. Um, what really works for me is putting in the time to speak to people, whether virtually or not. So if it's not virtual, yes, there's more body language you can get into and, and, and that sort of stuff because you're maybe standing up and the legs could be restless or you know you could see more. But if you put in the time and really want to manage that relationship, uh, whether you're close or you're not, you'll put in the time and you'll figure out a way to create a bridge between you and that other person. So, you know, whether you're close or far, um, I don't, I find that is, you know, to be an excuse, right? If you want to put in the work, I, my employees are far. How do I have a relationship with them? I've met them a couple of times. They know me and I know them. And then we talk often and, you know, all cards are always on the table. I don't play games with them. Uh, it's not like, oh, I'm not going to tell you this. Or No, we're very honest with each other, right? And that really helps the situation. I really find that that kind of creates a binding that lasts. Whether they're with you or not, they understand what you stand for, and they know how they can communicate with you and how you'll communicate back with them. And from there, you can forge a very healthy, you know, long-distance type, uh, you know, relationship. I mean, it's funny because – before travel was travel or when it was really expensive and before video conferencing where it was just a phone or a telex, okay, we still forge relationships with people. So, you know, it's a bit of an excuse to say, oh, well, we're far. And no, so yeah, if you want to put in the time, it will be just fine. That's a good spin on it, bro. I really think you're that kind of person that will put in the time. Uh, yeah, I find that there is more value in a relationship with somebody that you work with than not having that relationship at all. Uh, I think it makes your life easier. It makes work easier. It, it makes it more enjoyable. And you get to solve problems together as opposed to you don't know what they're doing and they don't know what you're doing. And if something happens in between, now you have to meet, but you're complete strangers as opposed to having a relationship and then really simplifying the whole process, really. Yeah, I, th I think you've got it spot on. And obviously, um, I work from a home office unless I'm traveling, but more recently, I've discovered how well I know many, many, many of my connections, you know, worldwide, and the support I get for them in, in most of the things I'm doing in business. It's really lovely. And I haven't met most of those people, but we've built up the rapport like, you know, like you have at work, and it, and it works really well. But, you know, that works for us. Not a lot of people want to go back in the office. They want four days a week. So heaven knows where that's going. So... Have you got any words of wisdom to leave with us tonight, Mark, before I let you go? You know, I've actually, in life, I was also thinking about this. I really think that people have to be stubborn. Stubborn, and stubborn is, a, is sometimes is a bad word, but stubborn is good because it gives you drive uh, and it makes you push forward and you don't get to settle for things, right? So think about it in a positive way, obviously, not like a dunce, okay? But, uh, you know, really try to be stubborn into achieving what you want to achieve as your goal, whether it's a small goal or a big goal. It is the, the only way you will be able to move forward is by pushing through it and pushing against it and really, you know, breaking that plane and moving forward. And that takes, you know, the fact of being stubborn, getting up, dusting yourself off, going again, right? That's, that's my, you know, I've never heard that word used in such a positive way before. That's absolutely lovely. You've really, really um, offered me food for thought tonight, and that's unusual because I'm the clever one. 
I love it. I love it. I'm going to use that word now in a positive way. You'll see me posting on LinkedIn. I'll go, I got this from Mark because he put a positive spin on it. I love that. I really, really do. So I want to thank you for your time. And um, it's been really lovely getting to know you. Fantastic. I really appreciated this. This has been a, a great time. Thank you very much for doing this with me.